As I said earlier, I was in Amarillo this last week, which means I got to visit my dad. That's where I grew up. I grew up in Amarillo. My dad still lives there with my stepmom. And so I got to spend a lot of time with my dad. And, uh, you know, spending time with him was a lot of fun. And uh, always bring back, brings back memories of things that happened when I was growing up and when I was little. And I lived with my mom and dad before they divorced. Um, my dad was very serious about uh, obedience. He wanted us to obey him. And I can remember one time as a little kid, uh, we were at McDonald's after church with some other families, and so all the little kids were sitting at one table, and all the adults were sitting at another table, and as you probably know, little kids at the, that table were getting a little bit rowdy and excited and having fun, and I was right in the middle of all that, my dad, you know, says, you know, keep it down, stop acting up over there, and so what do I do? I keep acting up over there, and I get these little ketchup packets, and I start discovering that if you bend them in half, and you really squeeze them really hard that they do some pretty cool things. If you've never tried that, try it, but wear like a, a poncho or something before you do it. Well, I started doing that, and the other kids at the table thought it was really funny. I thought, well, man, I'm going to get really crazy. I'm going to step on one really hard and just see what happens with the ketchup. And so I do that, and the ketchup out of that packet flies about four feet into the air, lands on the, on the coat of the lady that's sitting at the table with my dad and, uh, and, and those families. Well, that moment, I immediately recognized my life has gone from okay to really, really bad. My dad sees what happens, and he just says, you wait till we get out of here, you know, and it's, it's not a good situation. My dad really made it clear to me that if I live under his rule, good things are going to be happening to me because I get to experience the benefits of being his son. When I don't live under his rule, I'm not going to experience all the benefits of being his son. He's going to retain some of those benefits from me, and in their place, he's going to provide some incredible instruction for my life. You know what I'm talking about. Not a good experience, but yet that experience was a great life lesson. Today in 2 Chronicles 17, we have a great life lesson. Let's look at the story of Jehoshaphat together. And the first six verses is simply an introduction to Jehoshaphat's reign and rule and God's response to the way Jehoshaphat lives. Let's read verses 1 through 6. Jehoshaphat, his son, talking about Asa there, his son then became king in his place and made his position over or against Israel firm. He placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah, set garrisons in the land of Judah, and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa his father had captured. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals, the false gods, but sought the God of his father, followed his commandments, and did not act as Israel did. Remember, Israel is rebelling against God under the kings that are ruling in Israel. We get this divided kingdom because the son of Solomon was foolish and God was bringing judgment because of Solomon's idolatry. And so you get the split kingdom. So you got Israel under a king that's leading them away from the Lord. And you have Judah now under Jehoshaphat. And God's saying under Jehoshaphat's reign... They're not going in the direction of Israel. They're actually seeking after the Lord. So, verse 5, the Lord established the kingdom in his control, and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat. He had great riches and honor. He took great pride in the ways of the Lord and again removed the high places, the places of idolatry and the ashram, which is just another form of idolatry, from Judah. So Jehoshaphat's removing every ability of the people to pursue anything other than God. Jehoshaphat is reigning in a way that reflects his father, David. 
in his pursuit of the Lord, and God is blessing Jehoshaphat. Now that's just an overview, a summary of his reign. Jehoshaphat's following the Lord, and the Lord is blessing him. Now, the next scene in the story is a scene that gives us a little bit more detail as to what is setting Jehoshaphat apart as a king who is faithful to God. So let's look at verse 7. Then in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, hard names, and with them the Levites, more hard names, and with them the priests. Verse 9, they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. Have you, have you ever heard the deal about if you read the names of the Old Testament with confidence, no one will ever question how you pronounce them because we don't know how they're pronounced? Have you ever heard that? I can't even read these with confidence, so that's what you got there. Okay, so, so 7 through 9 is this perspective that, hey, Jehoshaphat is following the Lord. He knows the commands of God, and he's obeying them personally, and God is blessing him, and from him the kingdom that he rules is being blessed. There are benefits for the people living under Jehoshaphat's reign. And one of those is that he's sending out officials and Levites and priests into all the cities of the land so that every single person under Jehoshaphat's rule is hearing about the specific commands of God that God has told his people in his word. So God has said, I want you to know me. I want you to be my people. I've given you my word through the prophets. And it's written down for you so you can actually see it in generations to come. And now you as a people living under Jehoshaphat's rule can see what I have said, can see who I am, and know how to follow me. And so Jehoshaphat was telling everybody in the land how to follow the Lord. Incredible picture of his faithfulness to God. I don't want to just follow you. I want to follow you in such a way that I help others follow you because you are a God we can know and we can obey. And I want everybody under my rule to be able to know and follow the Lord. Incredible faithfulness before God. And because of Jehoshaphat's faithfulness before God, we are given a description of the blessings that God pours out on him. Verses 10 through 19 just gives us that picture of What is the result of Jehoshaphat's faithfulness to do this with all the people as an insight into how he's being faithful? Here it is, starting in verse 10. Now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the lands which were around Judah. So they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. He has incredible peace in his reign. And all the people are experiencing the benefit of Jehoshaphat's rule in his faithfulness to God. Keep going. Verse 11, some of the Philistines, the enemies of Judah, brought gifts and silver as tribute to Jehoshaphat. The Arabians, more enemies, brought him flocks, 7,700 rams, 7,700 male goats, so that Jehoshaphat grew greater and greater, and he built fortresses and store cities in Judah. So wealth, everything's going well. He's, He's healthy. Everything's good with him. He's increasing his kingdom. He's strengthening his kingdom. Incredible blessings being poured out. Verse 13, he had large supplies in the cities of Judah and warriors, valiant men in Jerusalem. And this was their muster according to the father's households of Judah, commanders of thousands. Adna was the commander, with him 300 valiant warriors. Next to him was Johanan, the commander, and with him 280,000 warriors. And next to him was Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who volunteered for the Lord, and with him 200 valiant warriors. And of Benjamin, Eliada, 
and the, a valiant warrior, and with him 200,000 armed with bow and shield. Next to him, Jehazabad, and with him 180,000 equipped for war. These uh, are they who serve the king apart from those whom the king put in the fortified cities throughout all of Judah. So he had all these guys plus the guys he put in the fortified city. And these numbers are greater than any number we've seen so far in the Chronicles. He, he has an incredible army. So he has protection, he has provision, he has wealth, he has health, he has everything he could want to have. And his people are experiencing the benefit of living under the rule of Jehoshaphat. And all of these blessings are coming on him and the people because of his faithfulness before God. All right, so what's the life lesson? I mean, Josh, Jehoshaphat believes in God. And as a result of Jehoshaphat's faithfulness before God, Jehoshaphat is wealthy. And all his enemies are even bringing him stuff so that he's getting wealthier and wealthier. He's got no problems health-wise. He's not no threat from anyone in his kingdom or outside his kingdom. He has incredible prosperity. He has incredible protection, incredible provision, peace, unbelievable peace. Okay, Jehoshaphat simply trusting in the Lord, and the Lord is bringing these blessings on his life. So what's the life lesson? Well, the chronicler has been communicating something very similar from the beginning of our study in 2 Chronicles. Solomon was promised wealth and health and prosperity and peace. And we've seen it again in several of the king's reign. We've seen the opposite happen in the king's reigns when they did not trust the Lord. When Rehoboam was foolish, what did he do? He experienced division in his kingdom. He experienced a lack. He experienced threat. It was very different for him because he was not faithful before the Lord. So we've been communicated to Uh, by the chronicler to see that if a king is faithful, then the king will experience wealth and honor and health and prosperity and peace and protection. Now, if you're living in the day of the chronicler and you're hearing this story told, you need to ask the question, does the chronicler want me from this story of Jehoshaphat to conclude That if I trust in God, I will be wealthy. I mean, he's been telling us that if you trust in the Lord and you're faithful, he will give you wealth. Does does he want us to believe if I trust in the Lord, if I'm faithful to God, will I experience health? If I'm faithful to God, will I experience peace? If I'm faithful to God, will everything be better in my life? Because I'm faithful to God. Now, I think that's definitely one of the ideas that is, that is a thread through Scripture. And I want, I want to communicate it like this. Faithfulness to God always results in the blessing of His kingdom. Whatever the blessings are in God's kingdom, if you're faithful to God, you will experience those blessings. And certainly the chronicler wants us to understand and those he was telling in the day of the chronicler, that if you trust in God, there are blessings that you can have being in God's kingdom. But there's no way the chronicler wants individual people to think that if they are faithful to God, God will make them wealthy. Because 
every bit of the experience of wealth, health, and prosperity in the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was tied to the faithfulness of the king. And that's the way it's been throughout the entire Chronicles. Every bit of the experience of the people having the blessings of God is contingent upon the faithfulness of the king. So what he wants them to see is that the faithfulness of the king brought forth the blessings of God promised to the kingdom. And what you see in the story of the Chronicles is as the king goes, so the people go. If the king is faithful to God, he experiences these blessings that God has promised, which in Chronicles is wealth and peace and prosperity and health. If the king is faithful, the king experiences these blessings and the people living under his rule experience the benefit of living under that king who is the recipient of those kinds of blessings. And so certainly there would be wealth and prosperity and peace that we experienced by the people living under Jehoshaphat. So what is the chronicler wanting the people in his day to understand from the story of Jehoshaphat? If, if we have a king who is faithful before God, we will experience the blessings of the promises of God to that king in that kingdom. So if you're living in the day of the chronicler and you hear this story and you recognize that the blessings of being a part of the kingdom is contingent upon the faithfulness of the king and you look around and you don't have a king, what are you going to be thinking? Lord, would you bring us a king? That, that is the essence of Chronicles. God is faithful to his promises, and he's going to pour out his promises in a kingdom under a king's rule contingent upon the faithfulness of the king. And God has told the people from day one, I'm going to place a king on the throne of David and he will reign forever. The people in the chronicler's day are back in Jerusalem. They're back in Israel. They've rebuilt the city. They've rebuilt the temple, but they have no king. And what does the chronicler want them to do? To trust God to answer his promise of giving them a king and to not give up. To trust him no matter what. Because when the king that he's promised gets on the throne of David and he is faithful before God, then the blessings of that kingdom will be far greater than the blessings seen in Jehoshaphat's day. So wait for the king. That's what he wants them to get. Because everything is contingent on the king's faithfulness to God. One of the reasons I love 2 Chronicles because in so many ways, the message of the chronicler to those in his day is a very similar message to us in our day. I mean, we, we are waiting for a king, are we not? I mean, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are we not commanded and commissioned and encouraged through the New Testament to wait on the return of Jesus you know the big difference between us and those in the chronicler's day? The big difference? 
They were waiting for the first coming of a king they did not yet know. They had not yet met. We are waiting for a king to come again. A king whom we know. When Jesus was here, during his three years of public ministry, he gave us a glimpse into the kingdom. Now, now remember, everything's happening with Solomon, everything's happening with Rehoboam, everything's happening with Abijah, everything that's happening with Asa, everything's happening here with Jehoshaphat are all deficient in the sense that they are not the promised king. But there's something about each one of those that's pointing us towards the promised king. So in a, in a way, Jehoshaphat's reign in his kingdom is pointing towards the coming kingdom under the one who will reign as eternal king. So certainly we have this, this glimpse into what's coming when the king sits on the throne forever. And it'll be better than Jehoshaphat. Well, Jesus kind of gives us a, a glimpse into that during his three years of ministry on the earth. It's, it's like he just, he just brings back the veil upon the earth just a little bit and says, I want you to see what life is like when I am king. And what does he do? He begins his ministry with miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. At times in the Gospels, Jesus is said to have healed every single person around him. That anybody that was around Jesus who had any kind of physical ailment any kind of sickness or disease was healed because they were around Jesus. He was healing them all. Anybody that had demon possession, had threats from a pow spiritual power opposed to God, if they're around Jesus, what happened? Every threat was muted. Every demon was cast out. Everybody was set free. If you were around Jesus, you had everything you need. How many times did he feel, feed people that needed food? And what did they end up with? An abundance. More than they could even put in their stomachs in one day. I mean, they had so much left over. It's unbelievable. It's staggering what he could do with so little. Miraculously providing. If, if you were around Jesus, you had everything you need. If you were around Jesus, nothing made you sick that he could not heal. If you were around Jesus, no enemy could come against you that he could not conquer. If you were around Jesus, he would provide you everything you needed, everything you wanted, everything you had to have in that moment. If you were around Jesus, nothing went wrong ever. See, if you were close to him under his rule, there was incredible benefit of him being your king. Because there has never been faithfulness displayed on the earth like Jesus displayed. Never. And what Jesus did, he gives us a little glimpse into his kingdom that's coming through his faithfulness to the Father. And his kingdom is unbelievable. You remember what happened to the disciples when Jesus was taken away from them? What did they do? They ran. They were scared to death. They were afraid. Why? Because Jesus was removed and they stopped experiencing the benefit. You see, Jesus' reign and rule through his faithfulness to the Father is unparalleled. No one before has ever done what Jesus has done. He's come as the Son of God, trusted God the Father, and God the Father's plan for him to go to the cross and die, though perfect and innocent, for the sins of the world. 
his faithfulness unparalleled. And the benefits of his kingdom cannot be matched. I mean, think about Jehoshaphat. Good king, amazing kingdom. Lots of benefits. Lots of amazing benefits. Jehoshaphat sent officials into the land to teach the people about God's word. Amazing. Jesus came as the word. Jehoshaphat wanted people's hearts to be challenged and encouraged and instructed by the word of God. Jesus has come as the king who can change our hearts and make them brand new. Jehoshaphat received tribute from his enemies. There's a couple enemies that brought Jehoshaphat wealth and riches and and gave him gifts and made him greater and greater. Jesus is the king to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Jehoshaphat had fortified cities in this amazing army and it secured peace from everybody around him and the dread of the Lord fell on everyone so that Jehoshaphat had peace because of his faithfulness to God. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and the peace he will establish when his kingdom comes will last forever. See, there's simply no one like Jesus. And his faithfulness to the Father is unparalleled. And the blessings of his kingdom are beyond imagination. Now what we need to remember is that there came a time in Jesus' ministry as he was unveiling what it will be like when he is king that the healings stopped. That the casting out of demons stopped. That the providing for the masses, the food that they are hungry for, stopped. See, all of what Jesus was doing in the miraculous to give an indication of what it's going to be like in his kingdom came to an end. Because he had to stop giving a glimpse into the kingdom and create an entrance for us all to get into the kingdom he showed us. And so he goes to the cross. He dies on the cross for our sins. The one thing that keeps us out of the kingdom is our sin against God that has separated us from him. And Jesus, when he died for your sin, he died for my sin, so that when we put our faith in his faithfulness, when we trust in his faithfulness, we have entrance into the kingdom. And when he provided entrance into the kingdom through his death and resurrection, he then gave a commission to those who had accepted the invitation into his kingdom. Everyone that said, I trust that your faithfulness has brought to me the blessings of God's kingdom and I can't get them anywhere else except through you, he gave a commission to those people, the church. And he said to the church, I want you to take my invitation to my kingdom and tell the entire world because they need to accept my invitation because someday I'm coming back and when I come back, I'm going to establish my kingdom as you have seen it permanently forever and only those who have responded to the invitation will be allowed into my kingdom and everyone else who has rejected that invitation will be separated from me forever in hell. 
And he commissioned the church to go forth with a message and share the news that a king is coming and he's provided way into his kingdom. And his kingdom will be unimaginable. Now Jesus in his goodness gave all of us clear indication of what it would be like to live under his rule now as we wait for him to return. We're waiting for him to come and set up his kingdom eternally. And as we wait, he has made it clear what it will be like now. We will not be physically healed now. Now, that doesn't mean that God does not at times choose to heal. But every healing that God performs because of his purposes of displaying the invitation into the kingdom is temporary. They're all going to die. They're all going to get sick and suffer with something. See, the promise of the kingdom now under Jesus' rule is not physical healing now. The promise of the kingdom now is suffering. That's what we're promised. If you live under Jesus Christ's rule now, you're going to suffer. You're either going to suffer through disease, sickness, or persecution. If you follow Christ, the world's going to be against you and your body's going to break down and in some way or another, you will suffer. That's the promise of the kingdom now. But guess what? Jesus is coming back. And when he comes and he establishes his kingdom, he's going to heal all those who have accepted his invitation forever. He's going to give us brand new bodies. Amazing. A whole lot better than what Jehoshaphat was offering. Jesus has not promised any of us wealth now. Now, some people may get wealthy, no doubt, but that's not a promise. And those who do have means because of God's plan to display an invitation into the kingdom are to use those means for the sake of the kingdom. In, in other words, we're commanded to lose everything we have for the sake of the kingdom. Now, we're we're not commanded to anticipate the wealth of this kingdom now. We're commanded to use the wealth of this kingdom now to advance the kingdom that's coming then. And guess what? When Jesus Christ returns, we will be wealthy beyond imagination. We will share in the inheritance of Jesus never going to have a need the rest of our lives the rest of eternity everything will be supplied for us in the riches and the bounty of God then I mean now what Jesus tells us is things are going to go worse for you more than they're going to go good for you now but guess what I'm coming again and when I come as king I will make everything right forever for those who have trusted my invitation into my kingdom If we're depending on the faithfulness of Jesus, his faithfulness is unparalleled. His blessings are unimaginable. And we just need to wait, no matter what, for the king to return. What I love about the kingdom of Jesus is that both now and then are full of incredible blessing. The benefit of living under the reign and rule of Christ. Yes, it's true that now I'm going to suffer. But you know what Jesus Christ says? I am reigning and ruling. And what I'm going to do now in your suffering is take your suffering and use it for good. 
I'm going to give you a taste of who I am, the reality of the kingdom to come. I'm going to meet you in your suffering. I'm going to fill you up with my comfort. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to glorify myself in your suffering. You're going to find joy that the world cannot give you, that Jehoshaphat's kingdom cannot bring to you. And I'm going to change your life through suffering so that you will say it is to the praise of God's glory and the refining of my life I have suffered so that now I know Christ more than I ever knew him before and I am displaying an invitation to his kingdom better than ever before. God will do a work in you if you live under the rule of Christ now that prepares you for the great work he will do then. He's going to do it right in and through the brokenness of this world. We have a lady in our church. Some of you know her, Susie Sterling. She has no idea I'm telling you this, but I'm going to tell you because she is going to suffer well for Christ. She has been diagnosed with cancer It is a very rapid and aggressive cancer. I was told that the cancer cells in her body are are doubling every 10 hours. That's how aggressive this is. I mean, there is a good chance that we may have seen her for the very last time in this building. Now, I hope and pray that that, that they are able to treat the cancer and they're able to retard that aggressive growth and she is able to come back and be among us. I would love that. But you know what? If you go see her in the hospital... You're going to see a woman who has found the joy of Jesus Christ living under his rule in and through suffering. And it will give you a glimpse not into this kingdom, but in the kingdom that's coming. That's what Jesus does. If you will live under his rule now, you will still experience blessings that will change your life. But they'll all point you towards coming then. Because as a people under the rule of Jesus, we are waiting for what's coming. And while we wait, we are to call people to the invitation of Jesus Christ. And honestly, we live in a world full of people who wish Jehoshaphat's kingdom was like it is. We live in a world full of people who want something to give them wealth. They're wanting somewhere to find health. They're wanting to find prosperity. They're wanting to find peace. They're looking in every corner of this world for something to satisfy the cry of their hearts. They're crying out, is Jehoshaphat's kingdom real? We want wealth. We want health. I mean, who doesn't want all of that stuff? Fundamental to every one of our hearts is desire for more. We all, in part, want Jehoshaphat's kingdom. Listen, Jehoshaphat's dead. He's not alive and his kingdom is gone. And what Jesus Christ has done is he invited us into something better than Jehoshaphat's kingdom. If you gain all the wealth of this world and you die, how much are you taking with you? If you get all the healing right now in this world that Jehoshaphat's kingdom can bring you, you're still going to die of something. You don't want Jehoshaphat's kingdom. It's temporary. You want to live under King Jesus who reigns eternal. You want what only he can give. And so does the rest of the world. But if we who are called to wait for Jesus don't tell him, how are they going to know? So the question you've got to answer today, are you living under the rule of Jesus now? That's the only way you will make it to them.